We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Two pitch, ball line to Yount, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air, Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history! Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center! He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well. And it's gone. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. I'm me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcasts, Adam, sometimes in life you're the hammer and sometimes you are the nail. And on a weekend in Atlanta, Georgia, where two organizations celebrated the life and career of Hammer and Hank Aaron, the Braves were the hammer. And the Brewers were the nail. Brewers go into Atlanta and get swept. Had leads in two of the games. And were unable to keep them against one of the highest powered offenses in baseball. And I think one of the best of all time to this point in the season. If I saw some fan graphs, screenshots being thrown around after the game yesterday. But that's where we are. Tough weekend for the Brewers after the post-All-Star break. Uh, had been quite exciting. But we're here to talk about it and break it down. Adam, it's great to see you. It's good to see you too, Andrew. Uh, I'm sad that we all didn't get a better weekend, but you in particular didn't get a better weekend than the Brewers. I'm glad that it's behind us, that you're back. You can look forward to a softer stretch in the schedule and hopefully some Brewers wins that will pick your spirit up again. But uh, I guess most importantly, how are you doing? Uh, I'm well. 
well, I'm terrible, but it's uh, it's fine because uh, there's a story I'll tell you off air, um, that really kind of just like brought home, uh, or brought to light in my mind how much you should let yourself be upset over baseball games. So I've processed that and have uh, you know, learned to contextualize what this is in the wider scale of life, and I'm okay. You know, went to Atlanta. Go ahead. Oh, go on. Go on, Lazy. You've got some more important. I thought you were finished there. No, I went to Atlanta with some friends, three Braves fans, and uh, they had a friend who was from Milwaukee, uh, a Brewers fan. Great guy, also named Andrew, actually. Um, so, you know, having having some support Not with there, a you, you know, right? What was that? There was not with a you, right? You were both. No, both not with Andrews a you. With ease. Um, okay. If he had wanted to hang out, that would have been great. I would have uh, shown him some of my favorite spots to eat in Atlanta. Um, uh, you know, if 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 Andrew not with you is listening, hey, gr- great meeting you. Thanks for being uh, my emotional support throughout the weekend. Uh, Road Brewers fans, just a kind, kind bunch of people. Like you just get looks of solidarity, hands, hand slaps, back slaps, hugs. You know, on the concourse. So, uh, very, you know a welcoming fan base as we've found for the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, you know, tough weekend on the field and boy, is it hot and humid in Georgia. So, you know, I was, uh, I was, I was stewing out there Adam, in more ways than one. What was your experience of, I I think you were trying to work this out. It might be not the last part of me talking privately, but the, how long it had actually been since you'd been to the ballpark there. Was it, Three years, four years, something. I think it was uh, Giants series in 2019, September. I think that was okay. the first time. For some reason, what, I think I missed 2021. What was what was your experience like being back there? And I don't, I don't even mean like I'm not looking to drill down for you, but I mean, obviously, there are a lot of things that uh, we have talked about on the pod before and you've talked about in terms of, you know, stuff that will make you know most people pretty uncomfortable about the whole experience. How, how did you feel about all of that? What was all of all of that like? And um, I guess the game day experience at an Atlanta Braves game, if we're to take the Brewers, if we're to take everything else out of it, how did you find that? Was it just as you left it, would that be the best way of putting it? Worse, which oh, okay. is upsetting. Uh, if I'm a Braves fan, because you win a World Series, just spend a bunch of money on payroll. Why are the Holman and Finch burgers worse? Why? Where's the homemade ketchup? Where's the homemade mustard? Why do I have these squeeze bottles instead of you know what was once one of the best ballpark uh, concession items you could get in this country? Like that was that was jarring. Maybe that happened. Uh, it was a COVID casualty. Maybe it happened before and I'd just forgotten it, but the death of the Holman and Finch burgers, uh, just elite nature was really upsetting. Uh, the battery area outside the game, um, still, as I left it, a bunch of people there, not even to watch the game, just to get hammered at punch bowl social, whatever the hell it's called. Can't get into any restaurant. My crazy salad at Italiano was mediocre at best. Uh, uh, you know, it's a good place to watch a game out in the suburbs. You got a your little congregating area, but it all, you know, the best team in baseball. It all just felt very sterile, though, once I was in the park. And it was more like, all right, I'm wearing these colors. You're wearing these colors. I want to be that's that's kind of how it felt like 
Uh, I went to Friday's game solo, so that was good. Like, uh, you can, like, process things. Um, and I was sitting in the exact same seat, I'm pretty sure, that I was um, in when I watched them clinch the division in either 2018 or 2019. And there was no, like, nostalgic wistfulness about, you know, years gone by. It was more like, hope Yelly hits one into the chop house and hits a Alabama or Georgia frat bro in the head. Like, that's kind of where it came down to. And, you know, that didn't happen. Carlos Santana might have um, on Sunday. But, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of how I felt. Yeah, okay. I I mean, I don't, again, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna look to pick all this open, but this is as bad a baseball series as for your due decision you could possibly see. Do you come away from it and feel even stronger about your choice given the reasons you made it? Or, like, what what is that like? Um, Yeah stronger i mean uh sports are about wins and losses adam but uh you know uh that's not the most important thing and uh to continue to be self-indulgent on this which makes me uncomfortable even in the moment uh because people don't want to hear this uh the people I've, I've met through the the podcast on the team and listeners uh are are a more meaningful acquisition than any kind of trade deadline pickup I could have, Adam. So that's where I feel about that. Let's hope we got a nice trade deadline pickup as well. Let's let's not cast that aside. But yeah, I, I appreciate that. I I have had a different route to it, but I feel similarly about the the people I've got to know, the experience I've gained out of being a Brewers fan. All right, well, I'll hand it back over to you for like normal business news and notes. I don't know if we want to talk about some of the stuff happening around the league. Some of the stuff happening yeah, with the Brewers a, too. That's a good idea. We can get through um some of the Brewer stuff uh first. Uh and then we can I want to kind of just get your feelings on some of the moves that we've seen around baseball and like which ones are standing out most to you. Uh, I think uh excuse me. Oh gosh, we've had some uh roster shuffling. Uh Justin Wilson got hurt in the bullpen warming up on Friday night, I believe. They were calling it a lat strain. He was placed on the 15-day IL. Uh, Trevor McGill returns. But I I got to say, uh, everything that they've said about it makes it seem like this is going to be something fairly significant. Um, also, Jemai Jones uh, was optioned in Nashville as well. So another guy leaving. Um, yeah, tough to see Justin Wilson come in. And and have that injury immediately without even getting into a game. Adam, Adam McCabe said uh, he left and headed back to Milwaukee for more testing, and that the injury was quote significant. So yeah, Justin Wilson hurt and down to Milwaukee or up to Milwaukee based on where they were uh, in the continental United States, and uh, it makes this deadline even more pressing because maybe. You thought, okay, we could be set in the bullpen. We'd like to add another arm, but we got Justin Wilson coming in. It's like it's like a new signing, Adam. Um, but instead, you have to go out and potentially look to replace him. So tough, very tough. Um, I like on an individual level, knowing that coming back from Tommy John surgery and having worked that hard, and to literally, I mean, I cannot think of too many instances across any sport 
where I have seen that happen. <laughs> Essentially, like it, it's go time. You've done all your your work, and it's literally it's just moments before you were going to make your comeback that injury strikes again um and not a minor injury it seems like not something that will just you know be a, another bump on the road and don't worry you'll get to do all this again a couple of weeks from now so on a personal level i think pretty heartbreaking and i think some of the brewers talked about that and some of the guys who were were down there in the bullpen at that moment talked about that too it stings for the Brewers as well. I mean, from a roster perspective, we were talking about just how strong the pitching outlook could be. Obviously, there's a lot of good there that we've seen from the bullpen, but that's very much the top to medium end of the bullpen. And I think we've long felt things are a little bit thin towards the back. Maybe that works out when, you know, Woody's back, if you get Ashby back and his rotation shortens up, if this ends up being... A season that's going to make its way into a playoff run. Um, maybe you'd feel strong about that, but there would certainly have been no downside to another quality arm at their disposal. I mean, we are very close to the deadline, so time is not entirely on their side. Might want to go and get another arm, though. I mean, I I think it it would be wise to to go that route unless. For example, Peter Strzelecki, who has now been called back up to the Brewers, um, they're confident that he's going to look like how he looked all of last season and the early part of this season. If that's the case, maybe that's fine. That works itself out. But definitely, Justin Wilson going down kind of leaves the feeling that, yeah, reinforcement of some kind is needed. Probably just even one extra arm would not go amiss. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned Peter Strzelecki. That's an interesting one to see how uh, that goes. Um, with him being back up, obviously we don't expect it to be in the, the same high leverage role that he was earlier in the season. So, well, some of that kind of reduced stress on the type of innings he's working make a difference. We'll see. Um, the reason Peter Strzelecki is back up is Julio Tehran was placed on the 15-day IL with a right hip impingement. And uh, we will talk more about Julio Tehran's uh, series a little bit later. Um, Adam, there have been some some moves uh, being made around baseball. The most uh, busy team, I say, would be the Los Angeles Angels. Uh, Cardinals have started their selling. The Mets have uh, started their selling. Is there a move out there that has been made so far that intrigues you the most is there one that you made that you thought that was made that had you thinking oh the brewer should have done that or like where have you come down on kind of the the flurry of moves over the last few days uh, in kind of the aftermath of the brewers being one of the the first few organizations to to get out there and make a move um i don't know if it's so much that there have been moves where it's a case of the brewers should have been in on that um i guess the kind of guys who we talked about a lot as potential Brewers targets are still out there for the most part. Only maybe CJ Cron, who the Dodgers uh, picked up just last night as as part of a deal with the Rockies, is, that is someone the, that we mentioned. The uh, the Angels. Or the Angels. Sorry, I said the Dodgers. No worries. Um, they have a fake Los Angeles name for no reason. So that's, I know. That's, that's their that's, fault. That's the trick. Um, like. 
something like that obviously became less relevant in his case with the Santana edition. It feels like they kind of got on top of that. And if anything, maybe it's a maybe it's a power third baseman. Gotta say, we'll talk more about this when we get to the series. I mean, for all that the Braves have, um, the real kind of the real unstoppable force of that team to me feels like Olsen and Riley on the corners. Um, like that's that's where you just get past. It's like sure, like Acuna is incredible, and you look at everything he's doing. But I guess when you watch the Braves, particularly from perspective of the Brewers, and uh, where the Brewers have just lacked, it's the power that they have a first base and third base is really something that's quite jarring. And it's like, yeah, that seems seems pretty useful if you've got some other guys who get on base. And even in a series where, you know, DH definitely uh, showed its value for them too, with Marcelo Zuna just homering nonstop. Um, I, that was something that stood out to me in terms of first and third. So some power third base would be nice. To go back to your original question, I guess some of the things that have caught the eye most, it's like Jordan Hicks going to Toronto. I mean, when there was extension talk, the Cardinals are not all that relevant to us this year, but I do kind of always feel like they will be relevant in an ongoing sense. So interesting to see what they're doing. Also kind of interested in the Mets potential sell off of starting pitchers, because you know, they are going to have to build that back up in the off season. And I do wonder, is that a team that could end up being very, very aggressive for Corbin Burns, in addition to other potential Brewers connections that may end up, you know, tied in with the Mets in the offseason. So that was another one that just kind of stood out to me. It's like, okay, well, if they're clearing out now, cashing in, new season's going to come around and Steve Cohen is going to be like, okay, we need we need to add a an ace to the mix here again. I wonder, could that be something that becomes relevant for us down the line? I don't know if you mentioned this, but uh, in that Scherzer deal, they got uh, an Acuna back. So yeah, I saw that. The NL East uh, could be tormenting other teams and each other with Acunas uh, for the foreseeable future. Is hey, he good? I think he's supposed to be pretty good. I don't. I don't think he's Ronald. Um, but uh, they seem to be. I mean, he was the only thing that was the return, if I'm remembering that correctly, and they're paying, like, a lot of shares of salary, so they really wanted him, it would seem. Steve Cohen's got the money, so that's <laughs> that's all well and good. Yeah, the, the Angels just, uh, I mean, what are they? Let's see. Four games back of a wild card spot, desperately clinging to the very end of the Otani era, and C.J. Cron and Randall Gritchick is... Uh, that's what that's what's gonna keep Otani. That's gonna get the playoff push. But hey, I've been advocating for the Brewers to make incremental improvements all season. So the Angels, uh, doing that, you know, I get it, but I just don't know that's gonna work in the in the they AL with the kind of done it sooner. That's that's it. Like it's because yeah, there is a scenario where if the Angels make the playoffs, they could win a World Series because you've got Otani and Mike Trout. Um, but the fact that they haven't been getting ahead of trying to do things like this like year over year. And it's only got to this point and it's like, Oh, you know, let's, let's make a push for it is not, not great management. If you ask me. Um, I, I don't know if you mentioned what I'm about to mention, cause I was updating the master brewer leaderboard because I'd forgotten to do that uh, before we were talking. 
Um, so here, let's, uh, we were going to talk about this later, but here's where we sit. The NL Central, the Reds are back on top after taking two out of three games. Um, from the Los Angeles Dodgers, half game up on the Brewers at 57-49. Lurking in third place mm-hmm. with the plus 20, or plus 57 run differential. Four games back of the Reds, three and a half back of the Brewers. Chicago Cubs at 53-52 and 52, uh, are apparently telling teams they're not moving Cody Bellinger. Um, this is a big market team that if they go out and make the right additions, could compete for that NL Central. The Reds and Brewers are both vulnerable to a team that like wants to rise up and take it. Do you, do you think we see them start to get Angels aggressive on the market and just really start to add? They might try. I just don't know if the deals are there for them to do that. If they pull something big off, I would absolutely be concerned. I was to start the season. I thought the Cubs would be better and be closer, and they're kind of have clawed their way right back to that and are pretty hot at the moment. So I I do think if you if you go right back to our preview stuff, now the Reds may not have been the team that we had picked to be in that mix, but I think we're kind of settled on, yeah, this could well be kind of a pretty brutal, intense three-team race, and the potential is there for that now if the Cubs choose to make it so. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be incredibly aggressive, I'm trying to think though what who or what are they going to target from the kind of list of guys who seem to be available, seem to be very gettable, that's gonna transform them as opposed to I mean, maybe they don't need to be transformed, they just need to be kept on the current path. But bullpen help uh would be a would big be, deal for them. Yeah, and they probably wouldn't say no to I don't know how well some of these guys are playing just in the hole, but looking at the roster and the depth chart, I mean, you could probably see them if they could want to upgrade the third base situation, the, the kind of Christopher Morrell, Patrick wisdom, Nick magical mm-hmm. revolving door there. I don't know if there's a corner bat on the market there that really moves the needle on it. They've been playing, uh, I don't know how much they've been doing this, but uh, they've been playing Mike Talkman in center a lot. He's had a solid year for him, but like I know Bellinger's been playing a lot of center too. I guess he's been getting some time at first base lately as well. Um, Trey Mancini hasn't really panned out for them. He has a 635 OPS. I don't know. There are like areas around the margins in the lineup that would make sense, but I think they've, they've hit the ball actually like pretty well this year, like run scoring is um, not their issue. So yeah, let's see. Where are they? Where are they in the, the old run scored department? Oh, I mean, they're, they're, the only, they're, only, they're only, but the Reds are, Reds are pretty high, kind of high powered offense. Like they've scored six fewer than the Reds. I guess, but Yeah. They've a run. Per, like we talked about the run differential run prevention. hasn't, doesn't seem to have been the biggest issue as well. They've allowed the second fewest runs in the in the division. They hit the ball pretty well. Plus fifty seven run differential. Maybe it's uh oh I'd have to look at like numbers about like how many games are they blowing? Like we going into the season we were talking about being worried about their bullpen as like the, the big issue for them. Maybe that's it. Maybe they just go out and add a few arms that gives them depth there and moves out some of the the uh fodder 
if that's the right word. Um, it's not really working out back there. And then they just like shut things down once they get the lead and don't blow leads. I don't know. I don't watch enough Cubs. <laughs> we may find ourselves paying considerably closer attention to the Cubs. So, yeah, they're they're close. I mean, the NL Central is going to figure very prominently into the wildcard race, too. I mean, Brewers are currently in the second wildcard spot as things stand, with the Reds just having overtaken them again. And it seems like unless there's a major drop-off, you're going to probably have an NL Central team right in the heart of that, and maybe the Cubs can I, close that gap, too. I agree. And, and as I just proved by not knowing what the Cubs' biggest issue is, covering baseball at a, at a national scale is difficult. But every single national baseball podcast, even for the last week when things have like been what they are now with the Reds and Brewers being in the mix for everything, someone will make a comment. It's like, well, if you're one of the NL Central teams, you, know, you have to focus on the division because you, you, you're probably not going to win the wild card. Why not? They're both in the mix. What are you talking about? Update your update your browsers. Uh, national podcasters. Yeah, exactly. Refresh. Refresh. They're right in the mix. Like. I don't know. I'm cranky. Anyway. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, anything else as we look ahead to the trade deadline, Adam? I think uh, Ken Rosenthal, um, in kind of a one of his cleanup news and notes pieces, uh, said that even after adding Carlos Santana, the Brewers would like to add another bat. So I guess just just like last year, uh, we were you know didn't know which direction they'd go in. I said one reliever, it ended up being whatever it was. And uh, this year I said one bat, and we got the one bat. Is another one coming in, Adam, or do you think uh, prices will be too high? Mm, maybe. I mean, th this is, we talked about this when they got Santana, the fact the timing of that makes it that you have a chance. Maybe they can pull it off. We'll see. 
the market does seem competitive with not necessarily a ton of high impact guys kind of widely available. Now maybe they're gonna benefit from some of the hungriest teams at the deadline already kind of doing a lot of their business. But you might have to part with a little bit more than you'd like to get a bat because this seems competitive and I don't know if that meshes with the overall uh vision for this deadline of adding responsibly. It might be that the responsible addition has already come. Maybe we get a, a reliever, but I'd I'd like to think there's gonna be another impact bat added. That would be a lot of fun. Don't know if it's possible to do it responsibly. You know, maybe that's what we should bear in mind here, Andrew. Some more news and notes, Adam. I forgot about Brian Anderson headed to start a rehab assignment in Nashville this week per Kurt Hogue. Brandon Woodruff getting another start on Tuesday in Nashville. And uh, that brings me to uh, another point of discussion. And I promise we'll get into the series soon. Of course, of you course. Enough series talk as long as possible. That what's up that's, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> um, Jackson Shorio is red hot. He sure is. He's going to be ready soon, whether that's soon is the end of the season or sometime next season. I don't know yet, but like he's making that a conversation, which I don't know if I was seeing that this time last year, but tearing up double A after kind of a slow start this year. And uh, like it's not going to slow down the hype train. I'm uh, we've got everyone's a conductor and we're sitting this train into Valhalla. Uh, So. I don't know if you had any thoughts on that. Tyler Black, obviously, if they don't pick up a bat at the deadline, could be a good DH option mm-hmm. as well. There's uh we we could see yet another debut this season. We've already seen some heralded rookies uh at the time make debuts in Terang, Weimer, and uh Freelick. Also, you know, throw Andre Monasterio in there. He's a rookie as well. So and, and he's been great. Uh are, are we you think we're getting uh Tyler Black or, or Jackson Chorio anytime soon if we don't get a bat? I I don't think we're getting Jerry out of season, and that's I have I have made a bet to that effect, and I'm I I still I think there's an element of it where he is looking so comfortable that and he is still so young that they might just be like, okay, we don't need to panic and rush this. That's not to say there's not value to it, but they might just give him all the time, build up all the confidence. Maybe we see him opening day next year. I do think I I don't personally see a whole lot of value in it, but I do think they'll send him to Nashville. Um, I think he could have a very short stay in Nashville and be up to the Brewers, like logically. But I feel like we must be right at a point where he's going to Nashville very soon, and I think he'll probably finish out the rest of the season there. Um. Black is an interesting one. I feel like that's maybe slightly more likely. But we'll see. I I don't know. I don't know. I'd like to see it. It's very exciting. And the Brewers have kind of benefited immediately from rookie additions on the occasions that's happened this year. I mean, what Sal's, what, the number two prospect in the organization still technically? And we're seeing them certainly reap rewards from that as well. Um, maybe it's possible. Maybe that's the most responsible way to 
to add to this team, but I would still probably lean 50-50, maybe 45-55 in the favor of him not making the jump this year for Black. And I'd, I'd lean a little bit more. I, I think they're just going to see out the year with Churio continuing to work it out, get ready in the minors, and then next season will be a different proposition. But he's him, I think is what the kids would say, Andrew. Um, there's very little doubt of that. You're right. There's no slowing down the hype train. And honestly, at this point, there shouldn't be, where I think there was a an instinct from a lot of people to kind of be a little bit more cautious about it when he was, say, still with the Timber Rattlers. The kind of sustained production we're seeing from him with the Shookers is a different deal altogether. And this this could be the guy. This could be the promised one. Exciting times after a tough weekend. So I'd throw that in there. Um, should we move on in the series? And should I be self-indulgent again for a moment because of my plane, sure. trains, and automobiles uh, excursion? Yeah, don't um, blame me for any of how you ended up with three games rather than two guys. Um, I don't blame you. I blame myself. Um, the third game was not the issue. It was any of the games. Um, it's 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 a all or nothing scenario here, Adam. Yeah, I was supposed to go on Saturday. Um, go down. My friends, uh, the Braves fans, driving, change of plans. Um, due to some issues at the parents' house, who we were gonna stay at halfway in uh, Asheville, North Carolina, shortened the drive a little bit. So they they you know proposed to wake up early on Saturday. And, make the the entire drive and then come right back Sunday afternoon. And no part of my old man bones wanted anything to do with that. Um so I searched Delta in my Gmail. I uh, had a credit for a flight, booked a flight same day, got delayed an hour and a half, put me in a very precarious situation. Land in Atlanta's airport, which is they said over the loudspeakers the big uh, the busiest airport Either the world or the I, U.S. I, I can't remember. I think it's in the world. Oh, okay. I think it's right up there. Like it's one of the main global hubs. So they might, well, maybe I, I'd be a little skeptical. But they're in the conversation. They could probably make okay. the claim whether it's true or not. Well, they're sure bragging about it on the loudspeakers in the airport, and I believe them based on how long it took me to get from my gate to rideshare areas. Uber to the hotel, check in, drop off bags. I'm looking like I'm going to be like five minutes late for first pitch. Mid Uber, I see. Great friend of the pro- the podcast, Kurt Hogue, tweet that the start of the game is being delayed. Perfect. The 30-minute delay gives me just enough time to eat, as I mentioned, half a caprese salad uh, and drink a Pinot Noir, some classy, and then walk into the gate to watch the Milwaukee Brewers play the Atlanta Braves. So, uh, yeah, you know, I'm, you don't, you never want a rain delay, but for once in my life, it did me a favor. Um the game did not give, give uh, do me a favor, although it looked uh, very promising to start. Um, Sal Freelick, um doubles in the second, I believe, uh, to get on base to just kind of start a rally there. He would come around to score on an Abraham Toro ground out. Um, really, really loved uh, watching uh, Sal turn the bases out there. Really fun. Uh, ball player to watch. Uh, I think it was 
Derek Van Riper on an athletic podcast uh, last week called him a, a throwback player. Kind of like he looks like you could drop him into like a bygone era and he would fit right in with the, you know, the high socks and the maybe the shortness. Uh, Small, out. wiry Italian guy. I can I can see where <laughs> that's going. Shout out to short kings everywhere. We respect you. Um, Tyrone Taylor then singles to score Andre Monasterio. The Brewers are staked to a 2-0 lead early in this game. But on the mound for the Brewers was Adrian Hauser facing off against Yoni Chirinos, and uh, it would not go well for either of them. In the second, with two outs and two runners on, Orlando Arcia, former Brewer, singles to score Marcel Zuna and Eddie Rosario, tying the game up at two. Ronald Acuna then uh, follows that up with a single of his own to score Arcia, makes it 3-2, to two, so... As soon as the Brewers take a lead, it is eradicated uh, in the second inning. I got to tell you, Adam, it seemed like Ronald Acuna Jr. was on base every single at bat. He's the the MVP race this year is Acuna, and I guess in the stats, not a large margin, but I think in the voting, uh, the voting block would be a large margin right now. Freddie Freeman, and then a distant like third to both of them might be Matt Olson. <laughs> so it's like, oh, the brave center fielder, their former first baseman or their current first baseman are the three MVP candidates. Oh, cool. Must be nice. It's great. Um seven seven for eleven yeah, think, which three walks, by the way, was Ronald Acuna Jr.'s series. Yeah, I think uh like he's gonna win like five MVPs. I don't know, man. He's incredible. Um it's also like he's he's got was he the first player since twenty seventeen to have fifty stolen bases in the season. And of course we are just about to cross over into August. Um, but also, it's like if you're on base 10 out of 14 times against a team in a series, you can steal and you can get caught. The Brewers caught him at least twice. Um, or although, you know, one was maybe a mental lapse on, on his part. I'm not touching third base on the way back. Like, there are multiple occasions where it's like, oh, he's going, he's going, and there's you can get him out, but he can just run freely because who cares? Because he's going to be on base the next time. He's going to be on base the time after that, and it's like, yeah, uh, I'm going to get you one of these times. So that that freedom must be nice. It feels like it just kind of empowers his his running even more that he can just go to steal whenever because you know what? If I get caught this time, I'll just I'll get it the next time. Um. Yeah, I mean, every time he would get on base, like a single or a walk during the series, like, I think they need to start counting it <laughs> in his, uh, it is, it is like a slugging percentage as if it was a double, <laughs> like, because he's going to get to second base. Uh, Ozzy Albies swung first pitch yesterday uh, after Acuna had reached once, and I was like, what are you doing, man? Let him take his base first. <laughs> like, uh, but anyway, in the fourth, the Brewers would get the lead back. Uh, Joey Weimer comes up with a big double um, to score South Freelick and Andre Monasterio. Uh, then once again, immediately the Braves uh, erase that lead. And Marcel Ozuna Homer makes it four to four. I am dying out here today. Um, in the fifth, Ozzy Albie singles to score Ronald Acuna Jr. to make it five four. Matt Olson sack fly scores Albie's making it six four. Uh, then in the seventh, things would. Uh, the wheels really come off for the Brewers. Austin Riley, homer to left center. Matt Olson follows that immediately with a homer to right center. Eddie Rosario singles to score. Uh, Sean Murphy and Marcelo Zuna. It's 10-4. Uh, 
in the seventh. Abraham Toro would get some runs back with a three-run homer of his own in the eighth, scoring himself, Sal Freelich, and Andre Monasterio. Makes it 10-7. to Hauser goes four innings, eight hits, six earned runs, two walks, three strikeouts. Not his day. Um, Toby Milner provides a scoreless inning, and then Bryce Wilson probably has his worst appearance as a Brewer to date. An inning pitch, five hits, four earned runs, one strikeout, the two homers allowed. Uh, J.C. Mejia uh, sc- scatters two hits and two walks across two innings in garbage time to to finish out the game for the Brewers and the Braves. Um, close things out. Rice Iglesias throws a scoreless ninth. They also got um, some scoreless relief from Kirby Yates, Joe Jimenez, and new pickup Pierce Johnson. Uh, Colin McHugh throws an inning of two-thirds scoreless with two strikeouts. Braves win 10-7. Uh, Brewers offense against... Uh, uh, a less than stellar brave starter um, looked really good at times um, in the second and the fourth and then the Toro Hummer in the eighth, but overall the Braves bats just too powerful. Yeah. I mean, seven runs for the Brewers. It's very rare that the Brewers score seven runs and don't win a game um, to amass 18 runs across three games in this series. <laughs> And to lose uh, pretty comfortably across all three is certainly something. It speaks a lot to the Braves. Uh, I guess, and we can talk more about this as we go along or even after we talk about the all three games, but uh, this kind of sets it off on, on the footing it is, which is the pitching is not what you want, ideally, schedule-wise. You don't want to go to Atlanta to face the Braves with starters of Adrian Hauser, Julio Tehran, and Colin Ray. Um, it's not having Corbin Burns in there, not having Freddie Peralta in there. Brandon Woodruff is going to be back very soon. If this series was a little bit later, you could have had that. It's I I will respond to myself on that and say the Braves pitching is nothing to write home about, which is why the Brewers could kind of light them up like that. But the Braves offense is pretty formidable, so you have to uh you have to have your best when it comes to your pitching. And we saw some of the Brewers' best in the bullpen over the course of the series, like Atlanta got to them in a way that basically no one has. So going into this with those three starting pitchers is very, very far from ideal. It's just just how the schedule plays out, and it's a quirk of all of the ins and outs and the injuries across the year. Um, But it didn't put the Brewers in the best spot to kind of show themselves in the best light either. And I think as the series went on, that became abundantly clear if it wasn't to begin with. Um. Yeah, if so, the fact of the matter for both of these teams, and I saw a lot of like uh, Twitter chatter or whatever it's called now, um, about uh, like, oh no, like we're not in the same league as the Braves, like we're cooked, season over, like why are we bothering to buy for this team? And I understand the sentiment in the moment, especially as I was sending sitting in ninety eight degree weather, but. Now, this is also true for the Braves because they've had some injury issues with some of their key starting pitchers. But say, for example, the Brewers match up with the Braves in a playoff series. None of those starting pitchers are starting yeah. a playoff game if they're healthy. 
And now the Braves will get Max Fried and Kyle Wright back, presumably at some point. So their rotation will be improved as well. They're not starting Yanni Chirinos or uh, AJ Smith Shaw in the playoff series. So both those things are true. But like I don't think the Braves are a much better 162 game team than the Milwaukee Brewers. That can be true. And it also can be true that. Hey, you know what? You can match up in a five-game or seven-game playoff series, and you're starting Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, and Wade Miley instead of uh, the three guys we saw go out there this weekend. It's just a different thing. And so, don't get me wrong; that all sucked over the weekend. That was terrible to watch. But like, I don't think it's like right off the season time, if that makes sense. No, and also, I mean, look, there's lots that has gone poorly for the Brewers, and that they're. I mean, this is a better moment for them kind of offensively they've they have found something and we saw that play out here but there's still room for more like Willie Adamas is an absolute train wreck at the moment he has been for a while but it really feels like this is rock bottom I would like to hope and think it's not going to remain that way for the entirety of the season you could catch the Brewers at a time where Willie Adamas is not just like a walking strikeout you could catch them at a time where Rowdy Tellez is healthy and now with actual like reinforcements to go with that, like Santana, Rowdy Tellez, where there's there's more tread of power, where you know, I, I think there's a lot there beyond sure the Brewers didn't see the best of the Braves pitching by any stretch either, but there is a considerable difference in the Brewers' favor in terms of you know what the level of upgrade is to the Brewers' best pitching to what the Braves' best pitching is. So and I, look, I think we saw we saw a really close competitive series. Um, only what was that? Ten days ago, two weeks ago. So we know the Brewers can hang. These games were ugly, and even though the final score lines often weren't, the Brewers were able to get something back up late in the game a couple of times. It's like there are very few teams who can just build innings in the way that the Braves can. And I think in all, was it actually in every game? I mean, bar maybe the first, but one of their their hallmarks seems to be they're just going to come out and hit you right away. Like first inning, you're behind the eight ball. And when you've got a, a starter who is not like an ace, when you've got a starter who you're going into a game hoping to get somewhere with a pitch count, hoping to get a X number of innings into a game rather than expecting it. I think that really hits much harder than it does. For example, if you've if you've Corbin Burns out there in this game too, we're about to start. We're about to talk about, and the first inning is going awry. I would one safely assume it wouldn't go quite as far awry as it ultimately did, but also I would kind of bet on his ability to regroup a little bit better than we saw too. I agree. He got all those demons out in that uh, Diamondbacks game. That's my take. Uh, anyway, moving on to uh, game two. I'm saluting Adam. People can't see this, but I'm saluting because this may be the last time we see someone in a Brewers uniform pitching a baseball game, Adam. Uh, Julio Tehran on the mound um, against Bryce Elder. And uh, yeah, it was a tough one for Julio, I think is uh, the easiest way to say this. Um, he uh, throws five innings, allows 11 hits, nine runs. No walks. All the runs were earned. Three strikeouts, a lot, three homers. Six of those runs came in a relentless first inning. Uh, Ozzy Albies singles to score Ronald Acuna Jr. in the first inning and what felt like so quick of a time, like people couldn't even get 
settled in their seats. And in fact, one of my friends missed four runs <laughs> because oh, they were God. uh like it's all like, right. There was is, there was lots more to go. Yeah, there's like this is your your team, your this is your era, like get in your seat. Um Matt Olson then follows with a single to score. Albies has to make it two nothing. Travis Darno sack fly scores Riley to make it three nothing. Marcelo Zuna double scores Matt Olson to make it four nothing. And then Eddie Rosario uh sends one into the chop house in right field to make it six nothing. Um brutal. Brutal first inning from Tehran. Uh snapped back a little bit for the second and third inning. Uh got a run courtesy of a Sal Freelick uh sack fly in the fourth to make it six one, scored William Contreras, who had a nice series against his old team. But then in the fourth, um a two run homer from Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, scores himself and Orlando Arcia. So at that point, it was 8-1. Uh, to one. And then finally, the final bit of damage done against Tehran, Marcel Ozuna homers to center field to make it 9-1. to one. That ends uh, Tehran's day. Trevor McGill comes in for him. Does not fare much better. Two innings, four hits, two runs. Both earned three strikeouts and a homer allowed. That homer was in the seventh inning. Uh, Marcelo Zuna again, um, scoring himself and Travis Darno. That would make it eleven to one. The Brewers, like you said, uh, make it look a little prettier on the scoreboard uh, with a Joey Weimer single in the eighth to score. Uh, Victor Caratini makes it eleven to two, and then William Contreras a wall scraper into left field. A home run scores himself. Bryce Ring and Joey Weimer makes it eleven to five. That would be the final score. Bryce Elder. Uh, pitched well for the Braves. Uh, seven innings pitch, four hits, just the one earned run on the free lick, the sack fly, three strikeouts. Taylor Hearn <laughs> records one out, um, allows four earned runs uh, with a couple of walks and no strikeouts, allowed the homer, and then um, immediately in the aftermath on Sunday, uh, traded to the Kansas City Royals for Nicky Lopez. So, uh, any Braves fans listening, tell me, like, what was your favorite part of the Taylor Hearn era in Atlanta? Um, I think they just picked him up like last week. Uh, yeah, and then uh, Michael Tonkin closes things out, gives the Braves an 11-5 win. So, who have Tehran obviously on the IL with right hip impingement? Um, just uh, you know, we thank him for his service, but uh, Brandon Woodruff's gonna be back soon. Uh, I don't know if we're gonna see Julio Tehran throw another pitch as a Brewer. Um, uh, I mean, we're we're not we're not Wade Wade Miley obviously. Um, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, we did forget about that. We, it's is slated to take what would have been Tehran's spot um, in the rotation next time around. That feels a little quick for Wade Miley again. Maybe not the kind of ramp up needed. I know the spot the Brewers are in, um, but I'm a little, little. Mm, We'll see about that with Miley's age and with how injuries have gone for him on and off. He's shown no problem like coming back, settling in, looking great. That's clearly not his issue. But I don't know, are you setting him up to maybe break down again when you'd really like to have him true for whatever the rest of the season ends up being at this point? But yeah, with that and with Woody headed to Nashville for his next start, I, I don't think we'll see Julio Tehran again. And again, like... Thank you, thank you for your service, Julio Tehran. Yeah, I mean, you've like you've done a really good job. Like there, there have been a couple like this towards the end, um, 
the Brewers could have multiple more wins if he got any run support early on when he was just absolutely dialed in. I I don't think out of the options that would have been available internally, externally at that point, like I don't know what the Brewers, who the Brewers could have picked up and got more out of than they did out of Julio Tehran for for the cost at that point. So he he's done a really, really good job. It's a pity that if this is the end of it, that it is like this back in the place where he pitched for so long. He pitched really well against them not that long ago to kind of, you know, I guess he went out in the shield under. He got the five innings pitched. I flagged this a while ago. He always finds a way to kind of get himself back in and eat some innings. But that's that's a tough end because he has done a nice job uh, in a really kind of tough time for the Brewers of helping them navigate back to a time where it is like, okay, well, Wade Miley's back and Brandon Woodruff is almost back. Yeah, it felt like a Viking funeral um, is, is, is what it felt like. Um, I my I had some friends like asking me, like, tell me what like what's the story of the Brewers this year? I was like, well, they're in first place and they have not gotten what they expected at all from their starting rotation. Eric Lauer has not been a factor. Uh, pitching Adrian again, House, by the way. Yeah, he's pitching again. Another news and note. There's just so many news and notes these days. We can't just keep, keep track. The, but that, that one also, without very, like, with no fanfare, um, Eric Lauer pitching in Arizona Complex League, right? Um, I just, I would note that too, that everything around that and how that's being handled and the optics of it, it, it's tough. There's, I think the Brewers maybe want to keep the spotlight off of him more so than being like, yeah, sure, let's send you to uh, the Timber Rattlers or Biloxi. So, sorry, I could have crossed you, but there's worth noting no. on Lauer. That is really gone very far from where we would have expected based on what he was giving them over a number of years, but even last year, he was really good. You don't get anything you expect out of Lauer as just like a solid back half of the rotation pitcher. Hauser is a guy that obviously missed time at the beginning of the year due to injury, but also like you were resigned to making him a bullpen arm at, at that point. Um, Aaron Ashby ha- doesn't throw a pitch at the beginning of the season. Um, so we'll, we'll see how his ramp up is going soon, I assume. Um, Who starts from Woody? Wade, Wade Miley has several IL stints or two, whatever it was. Um, Woodruff, like you said, you're getting nothing from him, and you're making way with Colin Ray and Julio Tehran, and you're a first place team. Like, I mean, when you really just say, like take the step back from the season, as frustrating as the offense has been, like, and as frustrating as this weekend has been with some of the back end pitchers kind of regressing to the mean or whatever the phrase you want to use there, it's like they've gotten this far with them, and some guys are almost back. So, like, like you said, we. Thank you for your service. And your your everyday starters basically include four rookies at this point too, which I yeah. don't think was necessarily the design coming into the year. So yeah, I I I like I really do still feel quite good about the Brewers and this season. To this point, we know from last season there could be a big turning point still to come. I think it's been very enjoyable for what they've made out of it. And I think that that is the only way to put it is to kind of break down the various pieces. It's like, yeah, not a lot has gone their way. Um, you look at the numbers. I don't know if they should be first place or half a game out of first place type team, but they are. And you know, you've got time to become that team. 
and go on and take your spot in the playoffs. And I think we'd all be very happy with that. Yeah, they were in first place at the time. I made all all of that. I I, I gathered that. I just wanted yeah. to make the, okay. <laughs> make it clear. I didn't want anyone coming at you. Yeah. Uh, damn. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, final game of the series: Colin Ray on the mound against AJ Smith Schauber, and uh, not Colin Ray's finest hour. But you know what? By comparison to the night before, it wasn't half bad. Uh, this is another game that uh, would provide me with several several moments of false hope. Um, the Brewers get uh, runners on the corners in the first inning uh, with Christian Yelich is on third. And, woo boy, did I think they weren't going to get anything out of that, Adam. But uh, wild pitch, Yelich aggressively uh, comes great in and scores. Uh, yeah, great base running. And what proved to be key to them scoring a run. Otherwise, they would not have scored a run. Um, but as was the trend in this uh, series, the uh, the Braves would bounce right back. Um, Austin Riley homers in the bottom of the first to score himself and Ron Acuna Jr. There goes that man again. He's on base, makes it 2 1 Braves. Uh, Brewers in the third gets a lead right back. Uh, Christian Yelich, uh, leads off the or not leads off. Uh, Christian Yelich homers, um, to left center field. A home run that I called in the moment. Um, just a really big moment for me in prognostication. Um, my friend was like, Oh, he, he's gonna pull one, wrap one down. Uh, right field line. I said, no, if he homers, it's it's going to go to the opposite field. Next pitch, boom, opposite field homer. Um, and then Carlos Santana follows that up with a piss missile home run uh, into the chop house in right field. Uh, did that know, sound as not... good in the stadium as it did on the broadcast? Because that particular sound, I don't even know how to describe it. Uh, it's not a sound I've heard from any Brewers bat this season. Like, it it was different. It's not even just like the classic crack. It was like it was something meaner, lower velocity. The visual from where I was seated, uh, sitting in like the I was in the third baseline, so I had like a direct view of like where the ball would go. It was like a hot knife through butter, Adam. It was just uh, smooth. Uh, I didn't mean, I actually didn't mean to make that joke uh, because it's been done to death, but it was smooth. <laughs> one for seven in the series, but that one was. Uh, his first hit, obviously, and his first homer as a Brewer. So welcome to the team, Carlos Santana. You know, you tried to you tried to make me me happy, but once again, it was a short lived happiness. Uh, Matt Olson comes to the plate with two runners on in the third. I believe no, no, I don't believe this. I was gonna say I believe there were two outs, but I don't think there were. Maybe there were. I don't know. I was standing in the ice cream line, looking at the TVs ahead of me, stressed out trying to get give myself some sugar to get my mind refocused. And I see the pitch come in, and just like immediately my mind just says, you know what, this is going to be bad for me. And then Matt Olson sends a three-run homer into the stands to make it 5-3. to three. Uh, But again, the Brewers' offense in this game, you know, they were they were clawing back. They were trying. They were fighting for it. Uh, Christian Yelich, RBI ground out, uh, scores Abraham Torre to make it 5-4. William Contreras, who had just a wonderful series against his former team, doubles to score Blake Perkins, and uh, Bryce Thrang makes it 6-5. But then, immediately again, in the bottom half of the inning, Marcelo Azuna homers to tie it, makes it 6-6. So like I said, five innings for Ray, the five earned runs. Hobie Milner came in and allowed that homer to Azuna to tie the game up. <clears throat> Elvis Piguero provides a scoreless inning in which he got himself into some trouble but was uh, 
helped out by Sal Freelich with the outfit assist to get Ronald Acuna at third base. Um, some really, we didn't talk about this, but some really good outfield play from Sal Freelich had a great mm-hmm. catch or a couple of great catches on Friday, I believe. Has the outfield assist. Joey Weimer had a great outfield assist on a ball that was kind of like batted back uh, that could have been a homer. Like some good outfield play. Can I ask you a question? Because this is something I've seen with all of Sal's uh, standout catches so far, which is when Twitter clips go up, the go-to comments you'll see. Uh, and these have been, I believe, did he make some on an Apple game or something? No, it was a national game. His debut was a national game uh, where he made the two great catches too. There seems to be a rampant desire from baseball fans, maybe a certain type of baseball fan, to tear down every good catch, to not make it a good catch. Is this like the baseball version of like uh, travel truders? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Because it's like on on that catch, I can't remember where I saw the clip, but again, it wasn't just like Bally Sports, Wisconsin. It was more nationally focused. And it was like, what a, what a great catch. And I was like, did he really have to jump? It's like, yes, he had to jump. Like, <laughs> the guy is 5'9", and he jumps, or 5'10", do we say? 5'10", I think. Jumps fully extended to make an incredible catch, like the smoothest roll back on his feet perfect throw and it's like people are like oh, did he have to jump it's like I, I don't understand this and that was immediately where my brain went to it's like oh these are like these are like travel truders um yeah that's uh that's a great comparison and I mean <clears throat> like the the first catch he made last weekend the great one where he kind of jumped where people would say he didn't have to um Still, like the ground that he covered to get there, like the catch probability or whatever it was, was low. I can't remember what the exact number was. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, sometimes we just need to enjoy nice things. And Sal Free, like making some nice catches and throwing out Ronald Cunha Jr. at third base are nice things. Uh, so we should uh, enjoy them. Um, but yeah, he helps get Pagaro out of a jam. And then uh, Yo Piams uh, has his worst outing in quite some time. He had just been excellent lately. Um, but a Matt Olson two-run homer in the eighth makes it an eight-six. Rizzo Iglesias comes in, strikes out the side to uh, in the ball game in the ninth. Braves win eight to six, and uh, yeah, hammer meets nail uh, is what this series was. Had some very cool moments uh, in the game when they were honoring Hey Karen and um, some of his family members at the game as well. So that was cool, um, especially obviously we know the Milwaukee Atlanta connection with. Hank spending so much time in Milwaukee to start his career, then team goes to Atlanta, obviously, and he ends his career back in Milwaukee with the Brewers. So cool to see just uh, both organizations pay respect to one of the greatest players of all time and just like an icon of the sport. Um, but yeah, <laughs> brave sweep the Brewers. This episode is going longer than I thought it was going to, but uh, yeah, here we are. Yeah, look, we'll we'll look ahead. We'll move forward. I I hope that the Brewers do take the positives out of the series, which are the offense, and just kick on with that because you have got a very friendly schedule that you could beat up on, and you could take control of the NL Central. Like, and and that should just that should be it. That should be the focus. Go grab this kind of with with both hands. First, before we look ahead, we'll go to the Master Brewer leaderboard. Um. William Contreras, excellent series, just tearing the cover off the ball. Homers, doubles, driving in runs, 
Uh, Abraham Toro had that three-run homer on Friday. Uh, Sal Freelick getting some hits, uh, snagging some balls, throwing out some runners. Bryce Terang, another sneaky good series for him, three for 10 at the plate and a pair of walks. So it's been a struggle for him at times, but got on base in this series. Andre Monasterio continues to be one of the more consistent bats in the lineup. And then uh, Joey Weimer outfield assist, a couple big hits to drive in runs in key situations. Um, leaderboard, Devin Williams with 26, Yul Piams with 21, Christian Yelch with 20, Corbin Burns and William Contreras with 17, Brian Anderson, Elvis Pagero, Hobie Milner with 14, Willie Adamas and Joey Weimer with 13, Owen Miller with 12, Peter Shreslecki, Bryce Wilson, Bryce Trang with 11, Roddy Telez with 10, Freddie Peralta and Victor Caratini with 9, Wade Miley, Julio, Tehran, Colin Ray, Andre Monasterio with 8, Adrian Hauser with 6, Blake Perkins with 5, or excuse me, Garrett Mitchell with 5, uh, Blake Perkins, Jesse Winker, Abner Uribe, Sal Freeland with 4, Jake Cousins, Eric Lauer, Trevor McGill, Tyrone Taylor with 3, Brandon Woodruff, Gus Varland, Javi Guerra, Rymel Tapia, Abraham Toro with a pair of beers each, and Mike Brasso, Luke Voigt, Matt Bush, Tyson Miller, Jaron Ruff, J.B. Bukowskis, Jemai Jones, and J.C. Mejia with a single beer. Um, shall we look ahead, Adam? Anything to add? No, let's let's look ahead. I think that's definitely <laughs> should be the focus coming out of this series uh, is to look ahead, and I'm excited to look ahead with what the schedule looks like too. That may um, come back to bite me. I should stop making such a big deal out of that. Um, but it did feel like the Brewers had, you know, maybe worked some of last season's issues out this year up until this point. This would be certainly a good time not to let any of them rear their head again. But we do know what happened the last time we saw the Nationals. Um, yeah, Adam, you make a, you make a good point. Um, you know, need to take advantage of uh of this uh but you know don't count your chickens until they hatch that's a good point um the brewers will head to like washington dc as you said adam you don't know about this but um there was a time when part of my atlanta plan was to then fly to dc work from coffee shops and go to this series as well because I have a friend who's a big Nationals fan lives uh, outside of D.C. But it turned out he was uh, at a wedding in Germany over the weekend. So he was, uh, we were unable to make that plan happen. But I just wanted to let you know that as chaotic as you know that I am, I'm even more so. Um, On the mound tonight for your Brewers, Corbin Burns takes the hill uh, in Washington, facing off against a man named Jake Irvin, not familiar with his game. Uh, next up on Tuesday, Fred Peralta takes the hill against Josiah Gray. Uh, both of those are six oh five central starts, and then Wade Miley gets the series finale back into the rotation. Twelve oh five central start against Mackenzie Gore. Then the Brewers will return home for a seven game homestand against the Pirates and Rockies before heading to Chicago and then Los Angeles. So, yeah, trade deadline is. Tomorrow, August 1st, so there's a very real chance that you are hearing for, uh, from us again if we have some news to discuss. Uh, before we head out of here, Adam, in the let me Let me check are... Let me check my push notifications, Andrew, before we do any kind of sign-off. Once I've learned these Good lessons idea. over the years. We're clear right now. Sorry, in the Ken Rosenthal article. All right. Um, in the Ken Rosenthal article, he doesn't mention this is uh, like – this isn't 
he isn't saying the Brewers are in on these specific players, but it, he's just listing the hitters available that like you know everybody's in on after the trade of Grichik and Kron kind of trims the field a bit. So of the ones he says that are available, uh, obviously one of them is in Washington. A name I've been pronouncing wrong. Uh, Logan thankfully mm. alerted me to this. Uh, Jamer Candela- Candelario, who, who we've mentioned a ton on here. Uh, Mark Kana and Tommy Pham from the Mets. Teoscar Hernandez from the Mariners. Uh, Paul DeYoung from the Cardinals. Uh, I don't know about that one. Uh, obviously, uh, this is just in general bats available. Red Sox. Adam Duvall and possibly Alex Verdugo. Are there any of those like of those names? If that's like who's on the market, and I also saw reports in the National say they have eight suitors for Jamer Candelario. So bidding wars ensuing there. Of those names, are there any that particularly compel you? Um, I, I think it probably is Candelario, and it's the idea of Candelario a third. Uh, I think that's. That's probably where I'm at right now. But I could be talked into, I'm sure, a wider range of them if that's the way the Brewers end up going. If any of those end up being slightly on the cheaper side and deals that they get to make um, pretty effectively, well, yeah. I mean, uh, we'd take another bat. If there's another good bat comes in, I think we'll work it out. And to, I guess, a point that's been talked about for a long time, like the Brewers have been getting next to nothing out of DH. So as much as if the Brewers were to get a good bat at third base or a good bat in the right field, would that be great? It sure would. If they get a good bat at any position, I think I think they'll work it out. <laughs> I think that's got to be, you know, when they're scouring for potential deals in the final 24 hours or so. Any bat that can make an impact, you know, I don't think they're in a position to be too choosy. They'll work it out. Uh, Adam, anytime I make trade predictions on this podcast, it goes like a few steps further than the prediction I make. So I'm going to put that to the test again right here and get really specific. And it's going to upset you. I'm not saying this is what I would do. You, also you're going to say Tommy Pham. It's going to be Tommy Pham and he's going to DH. It's going to be Tommy Pham. Final answer. I mean, I don't want Tommy Pham. For reasons that really would you, aren't, would you aren't like about read field production, <laughs> I just not not the kind of fun personality I generally want on my team. Um, I'll see kind of a different type of guy. It seems like to the Brewers generally. Um, Listen, the the fantasy football thing was an outlier. He's got an eight. Well, the yeah. season's the season's about to start back. Is this the time where you want to go and get him? Ooh. He's like, there's a new commission town. If, if anything, you sign him in the off season, and then you weigh up, is it worth the trouble as fancy football season comes around? Um, this is very close to the start of the NFL season to be to be signing Tommy Fan. I you know I didn't it. consider I didn't consider it there. Maybe they're, you know, oh leagues leagues closed. Oh sorry, man. Like wish we had a spot for you, but like you know maybe next year. We're like, oh, we'll do fantasy basketball later in the year, and then they just never do it. Like that's could be possible. I don't know. Um, yeah, that's all I really got. Tough series over the weekend, but we move on. We optimistically look ahead to Washington and hope we can uh, get some wins there and maybe add another bat to the mix. Uh, but yeah, I'm tired. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh, rest up for the second half, or we're in the second half. I'm gonna go rest up for the post trade deadline stretch, <laughs> and uh, get some Gatorade and some Power Bars or something. I don't know. And just because Andrew said that, we're gonna be recording again in another couple of hours after a big Brewers trade. I've no doubt about it. Don't threaten me with a good time. Uh, to make sure you never miss an episode, including any trade reaction. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. It's Cruising for Bruising. You should also check out the rest of the GSPN shows. That's the Eurostep Podcast Network, the main feed for all things Milwaukee books. If you haven't already, go listen to Ty and Rowan's conversation with AJ Green of the books on that feed. Talking to Tundra for all things Green Bay Packers. Uh, maybe Tommy Pham will be, you know, dialing up some new Mac and Jordan for uh, the inside knowledge on any potential Packers picks he'll make on his that'd team. Be, that'd be sick if they traded for Tommy Pham and he guessed oh, on not, our, not the Brewers podcast. That'd be a really good bit. Do a fantasy do football episode. I, I mean, I think yeah. that would be that would get us a lot of, you know, a lot of aggregation possibilities from no one's going to care about Tommy Pham on a baseball pod talking baseball on a Packers pod talking fantasy football. I think that's the sort of big things that happen. Uh, last but by no means least, make time for this. Andrew and I talk pop culture, movies, all of that stuff. Most recent episode is on Oppenheimer. That's, uh, that's up on the feed a few days. Go check it out. Barbie pod to come likely late in the week. Keep your eyes peeled, your ears open, I guess, for that. And until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Adam. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.